The Missouri Valley Conference is celebrating 25 years of women's athletics, recognizing achievements and impact generated by its coaches and student athletes. Join us as we reflect on the triumphs that led the foundation for current and future opportunities for MVC student athletes. To experience this milestone, visit mvc-sports.com slash women25 or via social media using the hashtag MVCWomen25. The Missouri Valley Conference, celebrating 25 years of women's athletics. This is Inside the Valley, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Conference, celebrating 25 years of women's athletics. Celebrating 25 years of women's athletics in the Missouri Valley Conference. My name is Derek Dockett, Associate Commissioner, New Media and Technology here at the Valley. And right now I'm pleased, very pleased to be joined by one of our uh, Hall of Famers, uh, one of the outstanding people that really set the path of where we are today for 25 years of women's athletics. Uh, and she, honestly, I'm, I'm really grateful that she let me into her kitchen, <laughs> into her house, to talk about uh, the history of women's athletics. I'm talking with Charlotte West, Dr. Charlotte West, uh, Hall of Famer from Southern Illinois, living here in Carbondale. Thanks so much for inviting me. This is a pleasure. Oh, I'm excited. I always like to talk about sports and the Missouri Valley Conference and the Gateway Conference and anything to do with sports. <laughs> Well, that's exactly what I want to get into, and I'll let give you a precursor. So when I do these kinds of interviews, I often like to do a little bit of research, but not a whole lot, because my goal is to sort of like get conversational, you know, find out, you know, stories, things like that mm -hmm. that are interesting. So I can tell you the one thing I know, your affiliation with Southern, obviously, we talked about that <laughs> a little bit uh, before we started recording. And also, you know, your accolades and just different roles you've had. You had so many different ones right. and contributed so much to here at SIU. Uh, but the first thing I want to know is this year is a special one for the Valley as we're celebrating the 25 years. When you look back of where women's sports has come to where it is today with television and championship opportunities and things of that nature, how do you put it into words just what you can remember to where we are now? Well, it's exciting. And, you know, years ago, people would say, uh, when, when did you want to be an athletic director? Or uh, who was your mentor? And I just chuckle because when I grew up, there was no women's athletics right. and no women's athletic directors. So I, I never could aspire to that. But one thing I really did aspire to, and that was to play. And I had the great fortune of growing up in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I played varsity, <laughs> volleyball, and basketball okay. when I was in junior high and senior high. And that, that's really kind of exceptional. And it was because dedication of teachers that did it, because they wanted young women to have a chance to play. They didn't get extra pay. Yeah. They're probably damned for doing <laughs> it, you know. But I loved that. And what a shock to me then when I left high school and that wonderful experience and went to Florida State University, my alma mater, which has a marvelous program for women now, but they had absolutely zero. Wow. And even though I was a math major, and uh, I kept getting over to the gym for some reason <laughs> and, and, and loving to be over there, but there was no, no outlet. 
and I I think things that happen in your your early life change some of the things you do in the future, and that was probably a latent motivation for me to create opportunities for women in sport because I didn't have them through the university level. Now, I did, when I was in college, join up with a kind of a semi-pro basketball team and a volleyball team, both, that was commercially sponsored by R.H. Hall, Maytag, and Kelvinator (laughs) from St. Petersburg. And we played uh, state tournaments in Jacksonville, Orlando, Miami, Tampa, and St. Pete. So I had some good competitive experience, and it really gave me a background as far as coaching and teaching that, uh, frankly, I knew more than the teachers that were teaching it because I had had this experience, and I had some really good, all always men <laughs> coaches, uh, except this physical education teacher that I had in high school that got it all underway for those of us at St. Petersburg High School. So I came to Southern Illinois University in 1957. And Illinois had uh, very archaic rules about women participating in sport. In Illinois, if your women's, I'll use basketball because we both love basketball. If your basketball team in Carbondale played the Murfreesboro team, then your boys could be ruled ineligible. Really? That's how much they did not want the women to participate. And a lot of it was because there usually was only one gym. And, oh, my goodness, it had to be for the men. And when it wasn't for the varsity, it was for the junior varsity. And when it wasn't for the junior varsity, it was for the freshmen, all men. So it took a lot of effort from some of us way back in that era to change attitudes and, and get that rule changed and get some sports for women, but the college level had sports days. And sports days were such that, uh, let's say it's a volleyball sports day. I'd pack up probably three or four teams from here because it was open. Anybody could play. And we would go to Eastern or Western or Northern or Illinois State or U of I, and we would play all day volleyball. Everybody on each of the teams that you had would play two games a day. And when you weren't playing, <laughs> you were officiating, scoring, oh, wow. timing, because who else would do it? Who else okay. would do it? And so we'd have this wonderful day where everybody had two games behind them, and we'd load up on the bus and, and come home. And uh, those, those were wonderful times. And I always laugh with all of these computer programs now to organize tournaments. Yeah. I said, you haven't organized a tournament until you have 16 teams coming to Carbondale. And you have four different gyms. And everybody plays two games in a day. And you need to fill in for all the yeah. scores, timers, and officials. So <laughs> some of the things got easier. But anyway, you can imagine those young women said, <clears throat> well, why can't we have varsity? Why can't we have varsity teams? Because we're here, we're having these quote sports days, so we soon moved into that. And once we started having quote varsity, then we started the AIAW, the Association for Intercollegiate Athletics for Women, which grew like topsy. <laughs> and uh, by the time the uh, NCAA decided that they would get into women's sports and would take us over, uh, we were offering. 41 championships in 19 different sports. And that was all these women on a volunteer basis. 
And when AIW started, we had one paid woman in the national office. Wow. Every, everything else. So you can imagine the esprit de corps, the camaraderie, and the commitment of all of these people that believed in sport so fervently that they were willing to give their time and their money and their effort. Because we'd go into Washington, D.C. for three or four days to meet, and we were given $5 a day per diem. <laughs> Times have changed. <laughs> wow. Quite different than on all my hundreds and hundreds of travels for the NCAA where I became a million miler when I was working for the NCAA because of all the committee meetings right. and everything. And, and we had our way paid and usually pocketed a little bit extra if we didn't get too extravagant. So you led into the AIW, and that's really what's interesting because that's what leads us into where Southern Illinois and all the schools in the Valley, that's really where it starts, right there. Right. They weren't part of the NCAA before even, no, no. For in our case, None of them. the gateway, yeah. and those come into the Valley. Our whole system was set up with state championships, okay. state to regional, regional to national. Had a, had a very good setup, so... Illinois would have a state tournament, and if you were fortunate and won it, you'd go to the regional. You might go to Ohio or Indiana or wherever, and if you won that, then you qualified for national. So that was how you got to the national championship. And then <clears throat> we also had uh, at-large teams. We had uh, nine regions in the country. Okay. So nine were already in, and most of our championships were 16-team championships. Okay. And so then you could put at large teams in because volleyball, for example, uh, you needed several at large teams from California because they were so far ahead of everybody else gotcha. back then. Yeah. And uh, by having every region have a team there, that helped spread the sport because you could see what was happening and yeah. what you had to work on. And the same thing, the Northeast had all the strong field hockey and Southwest and was weaker in field hockey. So it worked out real well. So here we are now with the NCAA, and there are no conferences whatsoever. <clears throat> One big pool of everybody. And, and it was still the state championships. So that's when uh, we thought, well, that's not going to work in their system. So we started looking for conference. And it, it's interesting. Uh, we did not have an interest in the Missouri Valley Conference I'm talking when I say we, Southern. Okay. <laughs> because there was New Mexico State. Ah, uh, different, different travel. And, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a lot of, I mean, we had a really strong group around in the Midwest. So we had the first conference planning meeting here at SIU. And we had Michigan State here, Illinois, and Indiana. And they were all interested because, see, they hadn't moved, their conferences hadn't moved about taking over the women. Right. So, <clears throat> finally, they, uh, their ADs, like a friend, I had a friend at Michigan State who had been our AD here. And we've got to get busy and have our own conference, have a Big Ten conference. And so people were kind of lining up with their conferences, which made sense. But it didn't make sense for us because of the travel distance and the lack of skill of some of the teams that we would be matched with in lieu of going across to play Indiana or go up to play Illinois. 
So that's when we formed the Gateway. And the Gateway was highly successful, highly successful. Great conference and marvelous years. And then I remember uh, I, I spoke at the 10-year anniversary of the Gateway when we were going to stop the Gateway and move into, move into the valley. And so those are good memories. And, and by that time, uh, all over the country, the women's programs were aligning with their men's conferences. So it was a natural thing for us to, to look once again. Yeah. And I know when we first had resisted that, I got out some uh, financial data and scared our athletic committee near to death about the cost of us going to some of the places that we would have had to go. And, and so they had backed off for a while. But we, we talked earlier, Derek, and we, I was talking about Patty. We had, uh, once we formed the Gateway, we knew we needed a commissioner. Mm-hmm. And Mary Jo Wynn was on it. I was on it. Marty Perline from Wichita. Wichita. The president from Eastern. Now, I th- there was somebody else, but it's not coming to my mind. It was probably somebody that didn't stay with the Valley for a long time. But anyway, at least those four. And we had recruited a young lady that had worked uh, in the national office in D.C. for AAHPER and was into sports and and a very wonderful lady. And I think I, to be honest, had an idea on how that should be our next person because she knows what she's doing. But... In crashes Patty Viverito. (laughs) She was so uh, energetic, uh, knowledgeable about sports, and she had a a background, you know, she'd worked for Procter & Gamble. So a promotion kind of like background. And, And I thought to myself, you know, she can bring something that Mary Jo and I don't have. I mean, we can set up all the tournaments in the world, and we can organize beautifully, yeah. but all this other selling and your product and all of this. And Mary Jo and I uh, had the same room because of cost cutting, they only put two people to a room back then. Thank God they don't do that anymore. <laughs> but anyway, and I said, Mary Jo, I said, I think Carrie's a wonderful person and everything, but I, I'd like to try this patty. What do you think? And she's saying, well, I was impressed with her. And I said, but, you know, the downside is she'll get married. <laughs> she'll come to St. Louis. She'll, <laughs> she'll have kids, and then we won't see her anymore. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have to confess that was my thought process. Sure. And so I had to teach myself, and I thought, now, is that a fair assessment? Now, today that really sounds outdated. Right. But we're talking about, when are we talking, 82, 81? Mm-hmm. About 82, I think it was. Uh, that wasn't so far out, you know. So I was reading the uh, recommendations, and one of Patty's recommendations was from her husband, Frank, or husband-to-be at that time. And he wrote the most wonderful letter on her behalf and how theirs was a give and take and he was willing to come and look for something there on her behalf as she assumed, would assume this responsibility he sold me he sold me well we hired patty we've never looked back and i know mary joe and myself we both 
pat ourselves on the back a lot of the time because she has been such a gift to the gateway and then continued with the valley and the valley all sports as well as football and she works well with Doug and they've they've just been such allies to every institution in the conference what a what a spirit that they 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 give to everybody trying to be sure that all schools are represented and uh, we've always looked at that. I can remember looking back when uh, Rich Heron was our men's basketball coach, and he was starting to get a stronger team than what he had inherited. <laughs> and, you know, we weren't on TV. And I said, you know, this isn't fair. And they both would say, no, it's not. Let's look at that again, you know. So I used that one example. It's a personal one. But it, I, I have found that both Doug and Patty – are committed to increasing the uh, public visibility and success of every one of the members in the conference yeah. and not just say, oh, boy, Missouri State, you're really good in women's basketball. We're just going to promote you, 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 right. and not the others. Right. You you hit something there that I wanted to get into about it's a good time you get into it now. So. Patty, when I, I interviewed her first to talk mm-hmm. to kick off this series, talking about the twenty five years, because she was there. Mm-hmm. You just t- told the story <laughs> of how it started right there, and she she really hit on a number of different moments and people that she thought made a difference. And I'm curious to you to know from you, gateway going back mm-hmm. to those gateway days. Mm-hmm. Was there a moment that sort of stood out, or a person, a coach, anybody that sort of was kind of like, you know what? Wow, we're we're we got momentum now. Like I've heard so many great things about just how the Lady Bears started and mm-hmm. how that became a driving force. That sort of, you know, when when the transition from the Gateway to Valley in '92 happened, mm-hmm. the Lady Bears Final Four '92 was one of those mm-hmm. things that brought it in with a bang. Right. I don't know much about the Gateway. Yeah. But the, I'm curious to know if there's something like that that exists from the, well, from that period. In the Gateway, I would say, in the Gateway Conference. Illinois State and Southern were the strong, okay. really stronger programs where Missouri State emerged more after the merger. Okay. But, uh, and, and I'm thinking more of basketball yeah, because, sure. you know, there's Indiana State that had tremendous track and field yes. during that time. And, and there's Southern Illinois that had nationally acclaimed swimming. Absolutely. Which a lot of people don't think of because that's not a valley. Well, is it? Is the it women, a yeah. The women are still are maintaining still the valley. The valley. Yes. Be- we went through a period of time when they didn't, but we had uh, we were third nationally one year, you know, and so we had great great history. So that happens in a lot of sports, you know. Drake has had some outstanding women's basketball mm-hmm. early on in the Gateway. They had uh, Laurie Bauman was yeah. a, a tremendous basketball player. So uh, people have had their peaks and valleys. <laughs> uh, so when you when you think of then you guys have success and you're you're under the NCAA's banner, so everyone starts to bring their women's sports together, unify with the men. The right. transition for you guys into the Missouri Valley Conference. So right. I've heard that that wasn't always the smoothest. That that had to be sort of worked in a sort of cohesive manner as well. What do you right. remember about the process of how it, how you guys became members well, of the Valley? Uh, the there valley? was uh, 
not an exaggerated fear, a very reasonable fear of a lot of the women that some of the programs in the Valley had not developed their women's programs to the extent that many of us had. Okay. And they thought that might be a step back for a conference not being as strong as the Gateway. That was a legitimate concern. And so they, uh, we proposed some things like you must have these sports, and you must do A and you must do B, which uh, most of the people thought were reasonable, but there were a couple of Valley members that didn't think was reasonable. And so there were times when that was a little contentious. Okay. And I remember uh, feeling, feeling very, very in a difficult position because I was the women's rep on the committee meeting with the presidents talking about this merger. And I, I can be very blunt. Historically, it was Tulsa that was extremely resistant of doing some of the things for the women. And it was a give and take. And finally, I conceded that one of the criteria that the women established, we would not have to meet in order to seal the merger. Because in my mind, that was a greater good. <laughs> and that I knew that they would come along quickly. And, and I, I felt blessed because as I went back to the women's groups and they said, why did you do, you know, I tried to explain to them. And they were all very accepting. Maybe not initially, but they were accepting. I said, this is what I felt was better for all of us. So all I'm saying is we had some contentious moments sure. as we made that transition. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, Doug and Patty, uh, they were happy that that had been made because at that point they both knew that that was the right way to go nationally. Yes, mm -hmm. because that was the trend. I mean, oh, you mentioned yeah. that before. That's what everybody yeah, we, else was doing. Yeah, we'd have been odd man out. Yeah, and that would <laughs> yeah. have probably looked awkward as well. <laughs> it would have been a little awkward, yeah. yeah. So that happens in, uh, you know, early 90s. Mm -hmm. 1992 becomes the first year of competition. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about it before. Um, that's the year where this team from South Missouri State goes to the Final Four with oh. Cheryl Burnett and, you know, Melody Howard and, and oh, that yeah. area. Uh -huh. So. What's the feeling like amongst, you know, yourself, other administrators at the time when you have this successful women's program oh, that's well. putting the, you know, making a difference? Like, this is good. This is how you start <laughs> out with the bang. And of course, I think that particular year, they were still under the gateway umbrella, but that was going to be the next year of jumping into Wasn't Valley. that like... 2001? Well, the first Final Four in 1992. Two. And then they had another one in 2001. Okay. Uh, you know, it's like uh, you, you're there, oh, really very uh, strong opponents, and you break your neck to try to beat them, and they beat you and move on. You cheer for them. Sure. <laughs> because they're part of you, they're yeah. part of the conference. And so we took great pride. We took great pride in uh, Missouri State, well, then Southwest Missouri, uh, in their success. That, that was success for everybody. So whenever any of our teams, you know, whether it's men's basketball or men's baseball, we'd take great pride when the Valley would do well, even though we fought, fought them yeah. like dogs earlier. Over your period of your career mm -hmm. and the process of the merger and things like that, 
you've had a number of different roles, one of which I would like to call a fighter, because you've seen you've fought for a lot of causes. You, you mentioned how you know you, you guys fought tooth and nail with the other teams in the league, but mm-hmm. you stood up for you know progressing things. Mm-hmm. Um, over your time as working at Southern, lots focusing on that. A number of different hats you wore, and we talked about this before, of how. Um, different roles, doing different things, and, and lending a hand wherever you could because that's where you started, you know, mm-hmm. with the AIWA. What's one of those things that sort of stands out as a, as a proud thing where you're like, I really enjoyed that time or being in that position or that role uh, while you were doing either, you know, teaching, mm-hmm. an administrator, coaching, like anything that you're sort of like, wow, I really love that, that period of time. Yeah, we mentioned earlier that <clears throat> I loved it when uh, AIW was booming and we had such a cohesive staff, mm-hmm. highly successful teams. We had uh, national championships here at SIU. We had the national volleyball championship here. We had the national uh, field hockey championship here. Wow. And <clears throat> we had gymnastics championship here. So uh, we were a hub of activity. So we got off the starting blocks early in women's sports that helped us for years <clears throat> until everybody else caught up and surpassed us, frankly, in a lot of ways. Yeah. But so the, those were memories that were really great. Um, other professional memories here is <clears throat> I had such a, a wonderful opportunity to be involved in sports and also to teach graduate students and teach sport administration, advise theses. Because I mentioned earlier that I had a degree in mathematics. And I had one turning point in my career. And that was after I got my Ph.D. at Wisconsin. The next year I was invited back to be a professor for research and measurement, mathematics and measurement and everything, at Wisconsin. And I kind of said, I wasn't real sure. So to entice me to come there, they promised me, a first-year sabbatical, no teaching, just come and establish your research program. <clears throat> that was a tremendous enticement. But once again, <laughs> I love sports so yeah. much, and I knew if I made that decision, that would be the end of anything related to sports. So I stayed here. And I've not regretted that decision at all, which a lot of people in their life have a point, a turning point, mm-hmm. And, and they think, oh, dear, you know, there's a sadness there. I never felt that because by that time, women's sports were soaring. And I, I saw a lot of growth, a lot of growth in women's sports. <clears throat> and I, I hate it when I see some retrenchment, which, frankly, I see. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I want it... I want it to soar. I don't want it to fall back. And I have a friend here in philosophy, and she tells me, every great movement in history rises, and then there's some retrenchment. But it never goes back to where it started. <coughs> so <clears throat> I keep telling myself that. Okay, we've, we've soared like, <clears throat> in the 70s we soared. In the 80s when... We lost Title IX. We had no Title IX for a while. There was a lot of merger mania with swooping women into being subservient in the athletic department. 
So we had all this retrenchment. And then in 92, the NCAA had that huge gender equity study, which I was fortunate to be an intimate part of, chairing one of the committees. And we came out with strong recommendations. And probably one of the most joyous things in my professional life was the convention approved them. Here the masses of men and women said, yeah, we need to do this for gender equity. We need to do these things. So we saw from 92 on in the NCAA a soaring of interest and concern, and we had an accreditation committee and a procedure where schools had to show what they were doing with their women's sports, and I saw undoubtedly more progress in the 90s attributed to that certification study Schools had to say, here we are in their EADA report. Here's where we want to be, and how are we going to get there, and how are we going to pay for it? And I tell you, I read those things, and people were adding sports. They were adding scholarships. They were doing things, and I'm thinking, oh, great. And then, of course, they stopped that program, like a lot of things. It's too good. And and we've, we've seen a lot of slacking since then, which uh, it distresses me. But at least I had the great joy of seeing that swelling in the 90s of yeah. great things that were happening after that, after that gender equity study. <clears throat> and see, from where I sit, I've got to believe, because you know, I'm a 80s kid mm-hmm. and don't know that anything like that existed, that that, that was a process to mm-hmm. grow sports and, at the collegiate level. i got to think many of our current student-athletes playing now don't know that that's the background of how their sports are now, you know, scholarships, right. television, right. you know, s- small things in perspective, but that's how <laughs> these things is. sort of grow. Like the women's final four, you uh-huh. know, that's got to be a right. precursor there. Those things sort of, y- you turn the wheels to get you, things going. You know, on the one hand, you're, th- you're thrilled to death that they're happening and that the young women expect them. And on the other hand, you're distressed because they have no idea how they got it. They have no idea. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, I used to teach for the uh, NCAA Women's Coaches Academy. And so I talked to all these young coaches. They had no concept of Title IX or the history of women's sports. So that was a tremendous pleasure for me to be able to teach that. And I would say by far and large, most of them were appreciative to know. And I still hear from some of them that, in that class, do you have so-and-so that you talked about? Do you have this film? Or do, you know, because yeah. they're trying hard to relate that information to the athletes that they have today, yeah. which you know, I, I think of uh, President Truman that says, the only thing new is the history you do not know. And I thought that that says so much, and that is true. You've got you've got to know your history, appreciate where you came from, and where you are now, and where you can get to, because <laughs> it, it all has a future. Uh, exactly. Which for me, thinking about where the the league started, nineteen ninety two, the progression that was made. So uh, the valley specifically, um, and I know uh, what what when did you retire? From Southern. 98. 98. Okay. Mm-hmm. So at that time, the Valley starts doing more television. You oh, see yeah. more marketing. And we, right. we're seeing, you know, 
things, you know, just grow and grow and grow. Championship yeah. opportunities. As you're sort of towards the end of, of retiring from your career at Southern, a Hall of Fame one we might add too for from SIU and Missouri Valley Conference standpoint, um, reflecting on how that that era, the mid '90s, because we've seen you know mm-hmm. membership changes. You've seen a lot of different things with with <laughs> our conference specifically, and we have in uh-huh. recent years as well. Um, when you look back at that part, when you're thinking of okay, I'm. I'm you guys can do this, Patty. You can do this work now. <laughs> any any sort of you know apprehension of is there more work to do, or did you say you know what I, I you guys take the ball and run with it? What's your thinking of when you're you know thinking of in your time? I've always kind of had the philosophy is do everything you can, and then when your time is passed, your time is passed, and I think it's inappropriate a lot of times for somebody that. Like if you've been the AD, to uh, try to impose your philosophy on the AD that's there then. Sure. I mean, I think there's a line where you talk to them, and especially if they ask you for help about what would you do or who would you hire or blah, 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 you know, then that's fine. Yeah. But I've seen a situation where the AD couldn't just let go and write letters to the editor to damn a, a current administrator or something or not just in athletics but so no I I think there's a time when you you step aside and it's the show for somebody else to run if they seek help you're available (laughs) and you want you want the best uh, but you don't impose your views on them because you've served your time and you still have some involvement mm-hmm. with Southern now. That's why I asked that question because uh, yeah. you're pretty involved, you know, here in Carbondale now, right? Uh, uh, yeah. When, I'm, uh, when you want to be, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm going in a visit with Tommy, but you know now. Yeah. And um, frankly, it's probably has something to do with the position of the senior woman administrator that is open, which is a vital position. Yeah. And I'm extremely appreciative that he wants to even talk about it, because once again, it's it's his choice. Yeah. But he and he knows I want somebody good, just like he wants somebody good. So we'll see. And, and that probably shows your passion mm-hmm. for the university. He knows you care. Oh, very he much he so. knows that you right. you know want to see right. things continue to go in the right direction. So. Well, my, my final question is, so this 25-year thing I mentioned is pretty special for us. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's kind of a loaded question, but uh-huh. if you can, um, the one thing you're most proud of when you look back of your career, Missouri Valley Conference, or wh- however you want to word it, um, that you think, you know what, that was a turning point or that was a pivotal moment that really sort of drove home of, of what we wanted to accomplish. You know, it's hard for me to pinpoint one particular moment because there was um, an ongoing support system from the Valley staff and from my colleagues. And, and that's, been, that's been, you know, a very wonderful thing. And, you know, it was interesting. Uh, yesterday I'm going to read a quote that kind of answers that question. It says, what we recall... When we recall the past, we usually find that there is the simplest things, not the great occasions, that in retrospect give off the greatest glow of happiness. 
So I, I can't really pinpoint just one, but it's a whole series yeah. of uh, events that once again, and that was Bob Hope's quote okay. that presents the glow of happiness. Well, I appreciate your time. <laughs> this this has really been a reflective point, and I, I hope people yeah. listening that they do you know take the time to <clears throat> educate and yeah. and learn more because your background is is a key, key point of where we've got to today. So thanks for taking time. I really appreciate it. This is Inside the Valley, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Conference, celebrating 25 years of women's athletics.